2: this episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writingexcuses. Season 17. Episode 5.
3: This is Writing Excuses, the promise of the brand. Fifteen
2: minutes
4: long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm
3: Howard. I'm Kayla. I'm Sandra. And I'm Meg. And when we began this series of, uh, of eight episodes about expectations and promises, I mentioned the 2009 example of the Tropicana Pure Premium Orange Juice cover redesign, the <laughs> design of the carton. Um, This is, for me, the apex fail for brands, for making brands, for working off your existing brand. Um, They took the existing brand, which was an orange with a straw stuck in it, and changed it to a nice, sleek glass of orange juice. The ad execs had said you know, you got this carton of pure premium orange juice, and you know what you never show people? You never show people a picture of the juice. Let's talk about what's actually in the carton. And so they changed it to this picture of this glass of juice, and they changed the cap, which is, you know, it's like like a half-gallon milk carton, Um, the the newer ones that have the little plastic caps, uh, you know, in the middle of the sloped face. Um, They changed the little orange plastic cap to be a little half-dome plastic orange. So it looked like an orange. And they said, so, you know, here we're we're sending the message that, yes, it came from an orange and it's full of juice and it's awesome. And as we mentioned several episodes uh, earlier, um, they spent $30 million on this redesign and sales dropped by 20% in large part because people just couldn't find what they were looking for. They couldn't find the Tropicana Pure Premium, and so they were buying Donald Duck brand orange juice. Well, if I can't get the Pure Premium, I might as well buy stuff from Concentrate, whatever. Uh, Tropicana uh, sales fell off so hard that they went back to their old design, and they lost like $50 million plus over this whole thing. The mistake that was made here is that the ad exec assumed that we, we associate a picture of orange juice with orange juice. <laughs> and we associate a plastic orange with authentic orange juice. It's like they got their wires exactly crossed. In this episode, we want to talk about how, especially for self-pubbers, how your brand is defined by cover art and text treatments and all of these other things in order to send the right message and make the right promises to your audiences. Yes.
4: Um, one of the, I, 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 talk about this a lot because I do a lot of the business aspects, um, and packaging aspects for our business. And, um, <clears throat> One of the things that uh, is very important to hold in your brain as a creative person is that you've written this glorious story, and now you need to package up the story you've you've uh, created in a delivery vehicle that will aim it straight into the heart of your niche, your niche, wherever you want your story to go. You need to package it in it a way that will deliver it there. Because failures to package correctly means that your book ends up in a mismatched audience who will then pan your book and tank your sales. This is why being misshelved is a problem. Because, you know, if your cover is saying mystery when what you're delivering is a thriller. Then the audience has picked it up expecting one thing, and you've delivered a pro- you've delivered something else. Your packaging promised something that isn't there, and they're going to be frustrated with it. Um, and so, one of the key things that that I always 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 drum into people that I'm talking about this with is that a cover is not an illustration. A cover is an advertisement. It should. Give, evoke the feel of your story. It should evoke the genre of your story. It should evoke who the audience is. It does not matter at all if the character on the cover matches any of the description. Well, qualifications there, but you don't have to match perfectly your description on the inside.
3: Yeah, um, that's, and that principle, that principle happens. We see it a lot in comics. The cover of a comic book is not a scene from the book. Right. The cover of a comic book is an illustration of the conflict in this book. Spider-Man is going to fight Venom, and they're going to do it in a big city. And so we see Spider-Man and Venom and cars being thrown around, and uh, and but that panel never actually happened that way. Um, but there are lots of other good examples of this, of... Of the brand being the the brand, wrapping the content in good ways, and I'm I'm aiming at Kayla and Meg now. Who's ready? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, okay. One of my favorite examples of um, a cover that really knew its audience is Ava Evergreen, semi magical witch, It's a middle grade fantasy for people who love Kiki's delivery service, right? Mm. So that first thing, like I hadn't, yeah, I love Kiki's delivery service. I love Ghibli movies. Uh, and I was just walking around and I look over and I see this adorable witch with an adorable animal companion on a broom who's smiling. She looks slightly anime, but not full anime. And she has a long dark dress and she looks adorable and she's got her wand. And I was like, that's... Give me so strong Kiki delivery vibes. I went over immediately and picked it up, and I was like, "I want to read this now."
3: <laughs> I know. I'm looking. I'm looking at the cover right now, and um, it, it's not our book of the week. But uh, boy, howdy, that cover knows exactly who it's aiming for. Yes. Uh, if you so love that. Kiki's delivery service, you want to read this book.
4: Mm-hmm. Is this be- book
3: a repackaging of Kiki's delivery service? Yeah. No, but. But if you loved that, you'll love this. If you love fresh orange juice, you'll love what's in this carton because it's got a picture of an orange. <laughs> it may not be book of the week, but it is
5: cover of the week.
3: Good cover yeah, we of the week. Oh my. There are some other covers. That is so brilliant. <laughs> it is.
5: Um, I'm the sort of person when I'm in a bookstore and I'm looking for a book that I don't know, uh, I always go for an illustrated cover over a photo uh, or, or a photo edited cover. Um, which has no indication really as to how, you know, uh, much the writing would appeal to me, but I love beautifully illustrated book covers. Mm -hmm. And that is actually a trend I'm seeing more and more of is fewer photos and more full illustrations. Sandra. Um, that is step one, when you're trying to figure out how to
4: position your book. Step one is literally go to the place where the books like your book are shelved and see what is the current trend. Because I, you know, a mistake I see uh, from people of my generation is that they love these 70s style covers that evoke the 1970s because that was what they were familiar with. You know, They're writing a book for teenagers and this is what they loved when they were a teenager. And that is a mismatch for today's market. And so you need to go find out what the current cover language is for where you're aiming so that your cover can be in communication and in dialogue with what the current trend is and just be the new cool thing. Yes. Kayla? Yeah. So
2: I, I think that one of the, uh, my cover for um, one of what I love about it is how, when you think of middle grade, honestly, you go to the section and, and most of it's blue. Just the colors are mostly blue. Uh, some, sometimes you get a little purple in there. You might get some highlights in red, but for some reason, most middle grade books are just kind of blue colors, blue shades. Um, I thought it was so fun. I mean, one, because uh, it's appropriate, but two, that Morel Ortiga and my cover designer, Catherine Lee and everything did such a good job. Like I, the one thing I told them was high saturation because that matches... Mexican culture as well, but they decided to go full on into those oranges, which means that when you put it on a shelf with any of the others, it stands out automatically because it's the contrast color of most of the other colors on its shelf, while also still matching the vibe of all of the other books on the shelf. Like it's illustrated, it's got something about it that seems fun, it's got a strong main character full front like middle grade very often does but it's done something to draw attention to itself at the same time that is representative of what is inside not just oh hey yep. this is eye catching but it doesn't match
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm looking i'm looking at that cover right now and it's it's very it's very very warm and um you you mentioned that it's complementary to you know maybe the blue or the purple colors that you'll see you'll see alongside it um true but there is there is lavender and purple right there in the cover text mm-hmm. so that the complement it doesn't need to be sitting next to something else to fill the requirements of good color matching this is this is really really well done um now most of us don't get to design our own covers the important thing here is that we need to recognize what the covers look like of the things that we will be sitting next to, because the cover makes a promise. If I see, if if I see a Michael Whalen or a whelan esque illustration, a full wraparound piece of art around a big fat book, I'm positive that it is going to be an epic fantasy. I'm hundred percent positive of that if I open it up and it's a political thriller um, that, well, that'd be weird. <laughs> that'd be super weird.
5: Yep. Um, so like you said, how most authors don't have say, not say, but most authors don't design their own book covers. Um, a lot of filmmakers do not get to cut their own trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you will have, uh, I think a, a pretty recent example of this is the Netflix show Q force, which is an adult comedy about, A set of LGBTQ super spies that end up coming together as a team. And it is a comedy and it has fun elements to it, but it also is like very sincere with a lot of heart in the series. However, the released trailer pretty much only took the goofs and the jokes and made it look like it was a stereotype poking fun of these different identities. Mm. And so a lot of people who would have I think deeply enjoyed the show were very off put by this trailer. Um, Something that's fun about this is a lot of times in film school, you'll get the assignment to recut a movie into a trailer of an opposite genre. And so I did not make this trailer, but one of my favorite examples of this is scary. Mary, Mary Poppins (laughs) redone as a horror film. (laughs) Yeah.
3: My, my favorite is shining where they took the shining And they made it made, they made it this family romantic family comedy, comedy yeah <laughs> coming of
6: age thing hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over thirty years with millions of users and twenty five languages offered. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today.
3: Um, we need to do a uh, we need to do a book of the week. We've talked about a lot of books that have had glorious covers, but uh, we have an actual book of the week.
4: Yes, and I have that this week. Um, the book of the week I've chosen is Illuminate by uh, Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. This book is brilliant packaging at its finest. Um, it is like the it's a book with a slipcover, and the slip cover is actually clear plastic, so you can see through it. So there's clear spots that you can then see text that's printed on the actual hardback. Things are crossed out. And, and so the, the packaging promises you kind of conspiracy theories and things that are hidden that you're trying to puzzle out and reveal. And then on the inside, they use typography to tell parts of the story.
3: So Sandra is currently holding this up to our, uh, our webcams and
4: yes. uh, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, beautiful. Like every, literally, oh, the, the other,
3: the, the remaining three of us are here. Slack jawed, like, they yeah. are,
4: <gasps> you know, there's art inside. There's, um, there's this point where they're shooting missiles and the text actually trails itself across the page as if it's the missile trail. It's, uh, oh, it, that's glorious it uses, fontography as storytelling. Well, and and so,
3: what, what I'm looking at with the cover and with the clear and the effects that they've done with that, that, yes, it, it makes a promise about the kind of story that's being told. But when I get to a page that has, you know, a missile trail as text, that is, that fulfills a surprising yet inevitable. Yes. Oh, Oh, you promised me this kind of design, but I had no idea you could shoot missiles with words. <laughs> yeah.
4: Seriously, go to your local bookstore and look at a physical copy of this book because browsing it online does not actually give you the experience of it. Wow. Um, yeah. So Illuminae, there's three books in the series. This is the first one. They're all brilliant. And the stories are brilliant as yeah. well.
3: Now, so. we have talked at great length um, and only scratch the surface uh, about the visual elements in our brands, and these are things that for most writers, most authors, it's out of our control. A huge part of your brand, however, is within your control. What is? What are the things that you, your name as a brand, uh, means? Um, you know, my my name, Howard Taylor. People associate me with schlock mercenary um, I have a Twitter feed that doesn't drop f bombs and that doesn't doesn't do you know piles and piles of negging. Those are things that are part of my brand and and they're inherent in kind of the way I am, so it's easy but at this point, I have now made a promise if I were to start you know, just trash talking everybody and throwing profanity in my Twitter feed, I would be breaking a promise to the people who have followed me on Twitter because of my brand.
4: I think it's very easy for uh, creators, especially people who are, are young in having a creative career. Um no matter what their chronological age may be, there's this this adaptation period where we have to figure out and figure out who we are as authors and how we present ourselves. And it can be very anxiety-inducing. And the thing that I always uh, come back to is in the Phantom Tollbooth, which is a fun adventure story, there's a a set of characters called the dodecahedron people who have heads that are literally dodecahedrons And they have a a face with happy on it, a face with sad on it, a face with mad on it. And they turn the face forward, whatever is appropriate to the moment. And so their heads are actually rotating as they emote. Um, And that is a usual visual image because you are also a dodecahedron and you get to decide which of your faces are public and which of your faces are private and which one is the right face to be putting forward at this moment. I'm in a book release cycle. So I need to be putting this face forward. And okay, now I'm in a lull cycle so I can put together, I can let this other face show more often. And all of it is you. You are not creating a character. Okay, some people do create a character that they inhabit. um, But I find that that is uh, mentally and emotionally exhausting over time. And it's much better to just show aspects of yourself rather than trying to, Maintain an entire facade, Hans. <coughs> <Hollins. laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yes, callback. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, it's it's a lot to decide, and it's a lot to navigate. And again, we could talk for hours just on this um, search term for you: parasocial relationships. If you are going to live <laughs> in a public life in any way learn about parasocial relationships and how they work.
6: So yes.
2: Um I'd also this is just a something I would recommend, like a, a mm-hmm. tool for you. But um and I know that some of the old some of the older writing excuses episodes um from I think January 2021, the business of being a writer stuff goes into this a little bit as well. Um, but asking people trying to get a finger on what other people are receiving from your brand because you're bringing yourself to the table, right? And you know, again, you've got all of these faces. And so you're like, I don't know which ones other people see all the time. Kind of like how you don't really know how you look. You just see yourself yeah. in the mirror sometimes, you know? <laughs> um, so being able to get a pulse from other people, what your brand is like that. I, I had my writing group and I had um, some people from my family who read my books and things like that give me a few notes on I was like, just tell me what you when I write something, things that you think happen a lot. Um, right. And I found it like they were like world building, um luscious, uh, luscious stuff, high, high, like high stakes mixed with very potent emotional exploration. I was like, okay, and that gave me uh, a pulse on like, when I'm when I'm sitting down to write something, is, am I delivering on at least some of those promises? You know, like not every book is
3: going to be the same book, but it should have themes of who I am in each But book. That sounds a lot like you're not going to be able to just pour concentrated from concentrate <laughs> orange juice into that <laughs> carton and, and, make, Very people, much. <laughs> and yeah. make people happy. Yeah.
4: Um, yeah. Any other,
3: any other final words before I throw homework down?
4: Um, I, I had, uh, I think I do periodically is go through a social media. i I've, I've got, a Facebook, and I've got a Twitter, and I've got an Instagram, and I periodically just read through my feed to see what the balance of content is there. You know, is it, am I retweeting a lot, or am I, has this been a complaining week? If it's been a complaining week, then maybe I should throw a cat picture. You know, <laughs> just trying to see that I don't fall into the habit of posting just happy on Facebook and complain on Twitter, you know, and, and, and trying to just to see how I'm reading. um, Yeah.
3: That's, um, I, I feel like we need to can of worms that because we could talk about that sort of tuning. (laughs) Oh, that's a ton of work. And instead of that as a ton of work, that's a ton of work, homework for you. Okay. Here we go. This is, two, this is two phases, and this is deep stuff. Describe the perfect cover art for your work in progress. Now, when I say describe, you can use comp titles, comp pictures to your heart's content. For instance... Remember that Star Wars poster where Luke is holding the lightsaber up and, and you, know, you got Darth Vader's silhouette in the background? Yeah, it's kind of like that, except the setting is forest greenery with mist and fog and there's eyes peering out of the forest. Okay, well, you've now used words to give us a picture that we can kind of see. So do this description and then explain why this is the perfect cover. What promises does that cover make to the audience? How does it account for audience bias? And here's part two, and part two is easy, okay? What is the right typeface for your name? Is it serif or sans serif? Is it weathered? Is it crisp? Is it larger than the title? Hello, Brandon Sanderson. Or is it tiny down in the corner? Hello, me. Um, What is and you probably have lots of fonts on your computer, experiment with this and see what text treatment seems to fit what you imagine to be your brand. And then write down why. Why do you think that text treatment makes the right promises about who you are? I said it was big, it's huge. You're out of excuses. Now go write about pictures and fonts. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Your hosts for this episode were Howard Taylor, Kayla Rivera, Sandra Taylor, and Megan Lloyd. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. The liner notes and transcripts for this episode are available at writingexcuses.com. To learn more about us, visit patreon.com slash writingexcuses.